Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where we talk to just normal members of society about their experiences of mental health. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Paul, who's going to be talking about his life and his experiences around this very important topical subject of mental health. As I do with all of these conversations, I'm going to do my introduction, and then I'll let Paul introduce himself, tell you all about the work that he does, what he's doing, and his plans for the future. So Paul and I met back in July. I was delivering a training session to the company he was working for at the time, and uh, it was a great experience. I always remember Paul very vividly because he stayed back after the sessions to have more conversations, wanted to know more about what we were doing, what mental health work looked like and and so on and it was just fantastic to to have those those sort of side conversations uh, great guy parent looking after obviously children as well as as being a husband and a partner and I just think it's just very interesting to have these conversations very topical at the moment talking about men and mental health of course um, I'm just really enjoying having all these chats with with my mates this is what it feels like so that's what it's going to be um, so Paul over to you give your introduction to this this podcast please Thanks, Matt, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me to be a part of this series of amazing podcasts. Um, and, and, and before I start, just gratitude to you for uh, coming up with such a great idea, which is informal conversations around mental health, as you say, with regular people uh, that you've come across in your work and in your life to normalise these conversations, which I think really has to be the essence of it. So thank you in the first instance. Um, so me, a little bit about me. So, uh, yeah, I've got two children. Um, uh, 11 and 14 so going through some interesting experiences with uh, with young people growing up becoming more aware of their mental health um, but I've always been um, very aware of my own mental health um, and the challenges I faced actually through my career through my personal life um, and how that's kind of found its way out through mental health and through some struggles um, but a lot of learnings actually uh, I had a 30-year media career uh, mainly in the book publishing industry, but uh, with a short period at working at BBC Worldwide in digital. Um, quite a high profile, senior leader, um, managed teams, um, and I've really enjoyed my career. And a few years ago, about four years, I looked up from the desk, had a little bit of a uh, bit of coaching, uh, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about a little bit more, which kind of gave me an opportunity to, to have a think and to have a pause. Um, and the journey I've taken on the last four, four years has really brought me much closer to issues of mental health, because in my, with my former employee, employer, I beg your pardon, I, um, I was the founder and inaugural chair of our wellbeing network, which was part of a wider diversity and inclusion program that I'd been a part of. And, um, and so from nothing, literally from nothing, from a standing start over about three years, um, really grappled with the issue of mental health at work amongst my colleagues mm -hmm. and what the business could do from the inside um, as well as from the top in terms of moving the conversations and the support and the initiatives around mental well-being at work. Um, and I was very proud uh, of the work I did there, but I was really um, I suppose that I guess the word is really passionate about opening up, yeah. opening up about yeah. myself, myself being authentic, um, really being present um, and trying to create a safe environment for others to feel that they too could come to work and, and, and where they were struggling or where they wanted to have conversations. There was a safe place and an opportunity to start maybe easing that conversation open or conversations around it, even if it's not personal, but issues that they notice going on. So. I've lived a life of anxiety. I've lived a life of various different mental health issues. Um, 
and that's gone up and down as we as we all have with our lives. So I've really quite a, a drawn out sort of history of mental well-being and something I feel very passionate about taking forward now as I look to the future um, in the work that I'm hoping to do uh, now that I've left full time employment with my with, 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 in publishing um, and thinking about the next steps and how I can can use a lot of that experience and use that, that knowledge to to help others, help myself and further this conversation. Well, great introduction, and you know, you you you've you've brought to life so many elements that are really important in the way that we bring these conversations to light for all of the people that might be listening or or you know watching us chatting to each other here. It's such an important subject. You brought something to that organisation, the previous organisation that you were with, you know, that they hadn't set up. And as you say, you you sort of took it from the ground and built it from the ground up, and and that's brilliant, and that needs to be recognised and and let's let's just talk about that briefly if that's okay and then we'll talk a bit more around the sort of the the, the mental your mental health and and how that's evolved that one sure. thing around the workplace bringing in a in a new opportunity a new thought how did you find that getting that off the ground was it did you find it was very well supported at first did you struggle to find the right sort of support through that because i'm sure there'll be lots of people listening who want to start doing more and it is that question of well where do i start with this conversation yeah it's a good question um there were some early struggles, but I think the, 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 the place where I started with from this was um, every, we've got to start somewhere. Yep. Um, and the, the best place to start really is with people around you and to find out, first of all, what the appetite, what the landscape looks like with those people around you. Now, at the point that um, we started or I started this, we were going through a bit of a cultural shift or beginning the cultural shift in a big organisation to really look at diversity inclusion and representation yeah and whilst i've been involved in some of the more traditionally sort of thought of areas around diversity inclusion and representation one thing that struck me was that actually what affects everybody is their well-being mm. their physical their emotional their mental their their financial well-being um and it you know in, in many ways whilst there are certain sort of aspects that will influence it we all have those health issues we are all people and it's a, and for me I really wanted to connect with more people across the business on this so the first stage actually was just to kind of put something out there to invite people to come to a a, a meeting to just start chatting about well-being it didn't there was no particular focus on mental well-being it's just well-being wellness well you know our our, our health um, and what was really interesting is there was a real appetite for people to just find somewhere to talk to others about it. Yeah. Um, I think so often with workplaces, we kind of go in, we, we, we pass people as we walk through the doors or the corridors or however it is, particularly when we were working in a physical environment, I recognize things have been different for this year, but, and we say, good morning, how are you doing? And everyone says, I'm fine, good weekend, not good weekend. And that's pretty much where it begins and where it ends. And that's certainly where it was beginning and where it was ending. And there was something very unsatisfying about that for me. So to start the conversations off in a more meaningful world, to, say, to, to ask twice about how people are and to listen more in a workplace was really, really something I wanted to do. So the early challenges were um, kind of engaging senior leadership, but actually I sort of kind of put that to one side to begin with and thought, well, what we need to do is kind of galvanize energy from in, see what the appetite is from the people within the organization. Um, and so first meeting, grab a people, you know, interested people put an email out we're doing this what do you think come along very informal no formalities 
um, and just chat. And, and, and that very first meeting, I think there must have been in, in, in an organization of around about sort of 500 to 1,000 people in and about the building, you know, 10 or 15 turned up, which is not bad, actually, just something. Yep. Um, and, and, and never to be put off by the fact that very few people might come to that first one is the key message. Because actually, the thing about health, and as we will probably discuss, the thing about mental health is, if you feel like it's helping one person, then that's got to be good enough. Yeah. Because that person has been helped by it. And it may prevent something more serious happening later on. And the most rewarding thing I've had from this work is knowing that just one person has come back to me and said, that really helped me. And now this, or now I'm doing that differently. Or now I'm thinking about it. It saved somebody from something. Yeah. And so we sat around and we chatted and it, it was really interesting what the comments were. We just threw it out there. You know, what, what are people thinking about their health? What are they thinking about work when they come in about their health? And, and do they think about it even? Or do they walk through the doors and pretend that there's somebody else once they're in the doors and actually that's not an issue? And what was very, very clear straight, for, straight away was everybody who joined that first meeting had something they wanted to talk about health, whether it was they weren't going out and getting enough exercise, whether they were feeling very um, anxious at work or there were things they wanted to say to their bosses at work that they felt very underconfident about or felt they couldn't talk about. Um, again, whether that was physical or mental or financial, actually, you know, there's a financial piece here that can't be ignored. Of course, yeah. And from there, we then thought, well, okay, this is the first group. So how, the question I asked everyone, I said, well, how do we want to take this forward? How do we want to really start this, this thing? And so, there were a few kind of people there that were particularly keen to say, well, let's uh, let's gauge a bit wider. Let's kind of do something a bit wider. So what we did is we took it from there. We just put together a very simple survey monkey, asked people a few questions and then just sent it out through HR and said, would you mind putting this out just so we can get a bit of a health check on our on our company and see what comes back? And it was from those early stages that we then began to get much more information about what people thought about health. What were their key concerns? What were their priorities when they thought about health and what were the areas they felt they were least supported in when they came to work and um and actually at that time we didn't have a budget so the challenge was how do we mobilize and move things forward without any money so we can't suddenly create a gym downstairs or we can't um you know set up a set up a mental health um first aid program or something like this so without the money what we did is galvanize the energy and move things forward in those first things that we could actually do which didn't involve money so where people would volunteer to do something like talk to people about mindfulness or where people were comfortable talking and sharing their story their journey their feelings their anxieties when they came to work and those kinds of things and then sort of small little things started to happen little programs of things and little initiatives that didn't cost anything but actually we're starting to make a difference both to the people that were presenting them as ideas, but also other people. And then I started to say, well, what, who could we connect with? What, what things could we be supporting that won't cost us money, that will support other people, that will then generate conversation around these? And the Samaritans was one that just happened to, uh, we got, well, I think I got something in my inbox about uh, an initiative they were running in the, in the early part of the year called Brew Monday. Yep. Um, which is about sort of having that, that gloomy day at the beginning of the year, which is now remarked as being the, the, the day that most people feel most down. Yeah. And and Brew Monday was an initiative that they put together about talking and finding 10 minutes to and talk. A cup of tea. Yeah. And it was something and that, that cost us nothing. And we were supporting a really good cause. And we already had an attachment with the Samaritans by way of charitable donations from the company. So we got in touch and we went for it and just said, well, you know, we really want to support this. The idea for me about encouraging people to take 10 minutes out of their day, have a cup of tea and mm. sit with someone and just have a conversation 
really made a big impact because I just that's the simplest thing we can do just talk and I saw really so and because the Samaritans are back you know were backing it and supporting it was something for them it kind of begun began to introduce this idea well what are we actually talking about when we talk about talking and support so those were the sort of early days of it and they were just pushing things forward there were some times in those first few months when I suppose one of the things I look back on the Isla was that you know you don't try and run before you can walk because I, I was quite keen I was really you know I was really passionate really excited I wanted to do so many things and some people in the group were saying let's can't we do this and can't we do this? and I realized as that process that went on that you just slow down it will come but it will come when you galvanize proper support when you can show there's a there's something going on and you're building an energy a, a, almost a force and a momentum to take things forward and that, that's when you begin to be able to galvanize greater attention and then you might be able to mobilize other people in the organization that might be um, able to influence things like budgets and give you more money to do things so those were the early sort of days of it um, but it took time it takes time and it's slow and the other thing to really remember or actually to reflect on and that I've learned really is that health mental health is different for everyone not one size fits all and so there's a really big component in this about listening uh, and, and recognizing that when you come up with initiatives or thoughts make sure that there's an alternative for somebody who perhaps doesn't go that way so for example a simple thing that we did very early on was uh, about how mental health is impacted by physical health and people wanting to do little running clubs. Uh, people who hadn't run for a while but thought actually you know what running is something I want to get back into, can we sort of form a small club um, that might run at lunch times and, and, and of course there are often seen to be benefits of doing things like running and your mental well-being, getting out, time to think, time to, to connect with people. Well that's all very well for people that are keen on running yeah a lot of people that want to do something similar they don't want to run so one of the things i learned very early on is don't just restrict yourself to these one ideas somebody else will want to do something similar maybe it's walking yep yep not those kind of things so it's those are the lessons the early lessons and it's it's kicking some of those bigger initiatives that might require money into the long grass yep thinking you'll come back to those but but build some momentum first and see what you can achieve just by energy passion and interest Wow. And, and that's and that's such an incredible sort of role that you've just sort of outlined to people. How and I, I get frustrated when I hear budget, you know, the budget, the B word, um, the, the other B word, of course, which it tends to be sort of relating to how much is it going to cost us? It's going to be cost. And you're right. This is a reality that says, well, actually, first and foremost, you could be kind to people and that's free. You know, kindness is a free gift that we all have. And and that could be giving somebody a bit of your time that can be saying thank you to somebody you know, passing a positive affirmation or something nice to somebody. And, and I think that's such a critical point. I love the way you've outlined all of that. You know, the momentum thing is so critical as well, because we go running into this stuff going, oh, yeah, it's going to be amazing. We're going to make it the world changer and it's going to be, you know, game changing. And then it sort of loses its energy because the energy sort of it's almost like putting your foot on the accelerator full flat out to start. You yeah. know, you can't run on that fuel for long if you're going to do that. You have to slow burn into it. And I think what I've learned from what you've said is that do things slowly, but keep doing things. That's yes. so important, you know, because it really is. It's not there's no there's no finish line with it. I think that's the key. 
there it, is there is no finish line but it's the keep listening piece as well listen to what's around you because one of the things that i also appreciated after a few months of doing it i noticed in the room some people that were particularly keen and particularly uh, uh helpful around initiatives and wanted to be more involved and so one of the other things i recognized is that often when you do these networks you you know you have someone who leads or 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 is a chair and it's often one person and you might have a few people around that but actually one of the things that i realized very early on with well-being is that for people to come forward and begin to talk about some of the more difficult things to talk about around mental health particularly they need to know that they're safe doing so and so i thought well you know here i am i'm a man um i held, held a senior position quite a senior position um i'm quite, quite confident um and maybe not everybody in the place feels that i'm the best person for them to talk to or they might not be able to however however open and uh, available i make myself so one of the things i recognized early on is that actually we need a few other people here next to me that other people that people is this not is this one size fits all yep. thing so yep. i spoke to a couple of the people on the on the network who were showing a particular drive and interest and said, well, why don't we just be co-chairs? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we sort of ponder around this idea of leadership and of course leadership is important, but sometimes, uh, you know, to, to have really effective leadership, you need to have one more than one. So yeah. that people feel that if they can't quite connect with that particular leader, they can still go to that person and mm -hmm. feel that there's a, so actually what ended up happening in quite a short space of time, say six months, I think it was, we ended up having three of us different ages yep. different gender and a different so and that really for me was a really big turning point for me because that was when i really recognized that what what, what does one you know one size not fitting all really mean and it means it in all different directions and actually that really opened up scope because of course when we start to talk about health there are things about health that some people feel more comfortable talking to a particular person about that they might not and and that i wanted to remove any of those barriers that people felt that were there and one of the other things is that, you know, for example, when you start to think about things like talking about menopause, um, when you start to talk about men and mental health, you know, to allow people access to start thinking, actually, it's safe to talk about it. They may need different people to talk about it, just to start that off. Yep. doesn't mean you can't be sympathetic or able to do it or go to somebody else, but just to start things off. So that was very important. But the other thing you talk about the budget word and you, they, they, as I, as the momentum built and as my enthusiasm built and I thought, well, you know, we were going to be given an opportunity to sit with the board and talk about what we're doing as a network. I began to wonder what really and truthfully, how much could they afford not to take notice of this? I mean, just by way of a few facts, really, 45 billion is the annual cost of poor mental well-being to UK employers. Yeah. 45 billion. And 15%-ish of workers in England have symptoms yep. of mental health. And 57%, I think it is, or nearly 60% of sick days, of, of, of working days are lost due to anxiety, stress, depression. Fifth, nearly 60%. Yeah. And, and 50% people, about just under 50% of people are still uncomfortable talking about it. So when you think about the B word and the budget word, and then and then moving that conversation beyond just, you know, when we just pull some of those things out of the long grass. Mm -hmm. and, and when you get the opportunity to be given uh, a board as an audience, now's the time to really start thinking, okay, so what, aside from some of those smaller things that meant a lot of lots of those people and, and and showcasing where you can get to without any money 
what is what is the cost of this to the business? And I, I mean, for me, that really became quite a powerful driver because I felt as we progressed as leaders of a network, and if we really were genuine about looking after the people in the business, we had to be a bit, bit more challenging about this and say to the business, well, look, you know, this is there is an impact here. And when you think about budgets and your bottom line, this is this potentially could cost you quite a lot of money if you don't take it seriously. And that's when things really started to shift for me in the network. Because um, once we've been given the invitation as a as a as a with to have the board as an audience, this was an opportunity to really start moving that needle a bit further. And it was really interesting when we did that because we put together a presentation to the board to show what we'd done, what we'd achieved, what we could achieve just by people and passion and importance and things like kindness, gratitude um, and focus. But then I then I realized that what 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 if we are a, a, a credible network that really wants to move this conversation forward, what kinds of things do we really want to do as objectives and goals? And they're a bit bigger when you sit in front of the board. And, and, and interestingly, you know, you and I met on a mental for mental health first aid training, which you delivered masterfully and uh, which, which, had a big, which had a big impact on me because um, it was all the way back four years ago that I started to think we look at physical first aid without giving it any thought whatsoever it's just something every company must have so that there's somebody around if someone burns their hand on a tap or a kettle or something so it stopped the idea of mental health first aid started for me six months after we started that network yeah but it took that time and, and a few cultural shifts for it to actually start happening. So to be present on that course and to be uh, a mental health ambassador or a wellbeing ambassador doing a mental health first aid course yep. was a real moment for me because it just sort of thought, well, you know, you're beginning to actually put some money here and to realize that this is gonna have a benefit to, to, to you as a company and your teams. We yep. can't keep ignoring the mental health crisis in this country no we can't and you're absolutely right I, you know, I oh my gosh we could talk about that program for ages and these 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 small moments we have to have these conversations i love everything you've said it's just been you know such a such an interesting journey and i love the way you've sort of you put that through very clearly in the stages the approach the investment the the opportunity to talk at the board level and to and to really tell them you know the reality because I think there is sometimes that disconnection and not across every company of course but in lots of organizations and businesses today you know the hard world is we need to get money through the door to pay the bills and and sometimes we forget that the people are the ones that get the money through the door and we need to sometimes invest in them so equally equally Matt if the company invests in people's mental health or well-being, they get back more than they invest. Hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I I get it. I I know the ROIs are significant, and and it is that that moment of convincing or enlightening, isn't it? Of you know the reality is this. This is what you're spending already on mental health without even knowing you're spending it because because of those fifty percent of people that don't want to tell anybody that they're struggling with their mental illness. Um, it's 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 such an important conversation. But I want to take it to you now, Paul. I want you to talk a bit about your mental health and your experience personally with 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 your journey of mental health through your life, because you're obviously passionate about this subject. Your motivations are genuine because you've been through some stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of that? You're yeah, yeah, very happy to. And and it's and, and it's and this point at this point, I would say that this is the point when real change started to happen on the network, which is sharing. Mm -hmm. um, and when 
when when and a big message i think through for me through this podcast with you is when we share of ourselves we give permission to others to know that it's okay not to be okay and it's a simple message but it takes a bit of bravery and sometimes it takes a little bit of risk in ourselves to know that we are going to open up but the but the payback and when I say payback, it's not that you get something and you go away and you're really happy, but the payback for others, for yourself, mm. is huge. And I think if there's one thing that I would like to convey is the opportunity for senior leaders particularly as well to hear that. Because when you say what's, what you've been through and what you have experienced, other people suddenly say, well, it's not just me. And actually, they can look at other people and say, and you can still achieve so much and you can still thrive and you can still come through it. So that's the first thing I'll say. So my journey through mental health has been has been you know quite a long one and it ebbs and flows it never just gets better yes there are t periods when you feel really well but if we're honest there's you know there's there's no magic cure to everything um and there are times when it can be impacted through your career um much more in a much more challenging way so for me a couple of things happened in my personal life that had a big impact on, on my professional life. I guess the main one, and I've talked about it quite a lot, is when I lost my father to a car accident very suddenly, a very sudden bereavement, I was very close to him. Um, and I struggled with the grieving process. Not, well, obviously I went through the grieving process, the immediacy of it, the immediate shock, but it came, but, but, but the grieving process was very prolonged for me. And the impact of that grieving came very, a bit later when I became a father myself, without my father present to give me that support, to show him my children. Um, and, and, and I hadn't really realized that I'd been holding on to a huge amount of grief and shock for such a long period of time until I was in a very high pressure situation with work, trying to uh, manage a, a new role with a bigger team, trying to be the best father I could at the time, to look after my family um, and, and, and the cost there was beginning to be myself. Um, and whilst all of these things were coming on top of me, I was trying to deal with an underlying grief that I hadn't really dealt with particularly well. And the response to that was that I developed kind of hyper anxieties really. Um, and in an, in an attempt to try and control my environment, I started to behave in ways that were obsessive and compulsive. And, and it was only later through therapy that I realized that the, the shocking nature of my father's death in a car accident was so chaotic and so out of my control that I then started to control other things in my life to get a sense that this, this, is, this could happen again, so I need to control. So I started to do a lot of things in the house. I, you know, I became very overprotective of my family in a way that I thought, well, our property's gotta be perfect. So I started checking the property constantly for damage whether that was damp, whether that was leaking pipes, cracks in the walls, those kind of things. And when people talk about obsessive compulsive disorders, it really is terrible. What it means is you check constantly, mm -hmm. constantly. I was checking in the night, checking in the morning, checking as soon as I came home, anything I could find. And then I was calling tradesmen to come and try and fix things that probably weren't even there. Right, yeah. You know, all of that. And at the same time, I developed a phobia um, and when I developed that phobia, it turned into another compulsive behavior because the phobia was a phobia of storms and extreme weather. Again, things that were outside of my control. And I began becoming very fearful of, of, of the damage it could do to our property, but also the protection of my family seemed to be at risk. 
so how that turned into well apart from the very fact that you know i rehearsed where would i go in the case of a storm i mean literally where would i go because i was finding it really really it caused a huge amount of panic in me if i thought there was an impending storm uh, and i was really hiding that by the way because phobias we all talk about arachnophobia no problem but when we start to talk about other things we become quite embarrassed because there's a big stigma there yeah. But the, the compulsive disorder there was I started checking weather forecasts every five minutes. Um, and, and even looking out the window thinking, is there going to be a storm? And so on and so on. And it just became totally consuming, totally consuming for me. My anxieties were completely out of control. My compulsive behaviours were really becoming distracting. But I was masking the whole time. So I would go into work, I would go through the doors, and you would never have known anything was wrong. Um, and then when I came home, but my wife began noticing a lot of this, obviously. And she sometimes said to me, you know, what is everything, you know, really seem on edge, Paul, and you've got to stop getting these tradesmen in and all that. Yeah. It, it reached a stage where I was carrying so much of this that I um, was driving my car one day. And I was just overcome with this kind of, you know, just everything was just, it was all too much, really. And I sat at a junction, ready to turn right. And I just had this thought in my mind, it wasn't a suicidal thought, but it was a thought that if I turn my car into the oncoming traffic, the car would be hit, I'd end up in hospital and someone would have to look after me and this would all just stop. Right. Wow. And I just realized I was looking for someone to rescue me from this constant exhaustion. Um, I don't know why, but I had the forethought or the thought to then just turn the car around and I went straight home and I literally walked in the door, burst into tears and said to my wife, this is what I was going to do. I was genuinely, I'm ready to do it. Please help me. And I just crumbled and just said, I just can't stop all this behavior. And I need something to, help. and it was, that was the moment. And she just, she did, she just sat me down and just said, what do you need now? What do you need right now? What's going to help you now? And that was a really big question. And it stayed with me a lot. When someone is going through something, it's important to understand what they need that moment not to try and fix not to try and sort of come up with solutions and say oh well it's this or it's that she just said to me what do you need now and I just said I just need someone to help me to unravel this mess and to stop me doing this and so she said to me well when you say someone what and it, it, it she coached me a little bit she coached me a little bit and in the end I said I'm gonna to have to see the doctor but I'm scared to see the doctor I don't know how to talk about all this stuff it seems to me when I talk about it it's crazy yeah it's mad and then I start using terms like that again and we start getting into these kind of poor use of vocabulary around mental illness crazy mad people just think I'm just off you know fruit fruitcake or whatever yeah. I really don't like those terms because they stop us talking about it um so I went to the GP GP said you know you, you are unwell Paul and we're going to get you some help and we're just going to spend some time unpicking that and finding what the best help is. And cognitive behavioural therapy was the help. And I did a, and I was referred to a six week course. My employer understood, but I still didn't tell my employer what it was. I just said, I'm going on therapy. They didn't offer anything more than that. This was this was, you know, some years ago. Yep. Uh, and it just it just unraveled those knots in my mind. It unraveled those processes of thought that led from one thing to the other. And it really helped me to unpick what was behind this need for control um and it's always stayed with me i've recovered I, I i you know got through it and after that period of cognitive behavioral therapy i then went into psychotherapy to deal with the loss of my father to deal with that grieving um 
I've always been anxious, Matt. Always had an anxious disposition. Mm-hmm. And I am happy to talk about that now because you know what? We all carry anxieties. We all worry and we all have mental health. And as a man, uh, I think it's really important for me to talk about that to everybody, but particularly to other men. Yeah. Because for some reason, we just want to hide it a lot. And, and being authentic is one thing. And if you're a senior in a business, sometimes it's easy to be authentic. But think about everybody else and how difficult it still might be for them when they've got managers and uh, um, deadlines to constantly hit. How easy is it for them to be authentic? So we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it to give permission. But we also need to talk about it so other people feel like it's going to be okay because somebody else has been through that and they've come through it in their way for them and they've continued to be successful for them whatever that success looks like you're absolutely right and i think that's the thing we write people off too quickly and we forget that actually we're all normal people that sometimes have struggles worries concerns anxieties and 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 we need to stop writing people off we need to start encouraging talking communicating being open um we're we're, we're going into extra time at the moment paul um it's all good um I just want you to briefly, you know, we're, we're going to close in a, in a few minutes. We, we'll, we'll take this into extra time because I, I think your story is just so in, interesting and insightful and, and powerful in, in lots of ways. So, so you've moved on from that organisation that you were with till, um, till recently. Um, you've got great grand plans now, though, in terms of taking some time out. Tell us what you're going to do next. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. So, you know, what, what can we be supporting you through next? Well, one of the things that I did go through in the last four years was to train to be a qualified coach, uh, executive and leadership coach. Um, but I want to try to do um, that coaching for leadership and executive and business coaching. But I want to also bring into that the element of well-being um, and the, the element of looking and facing challenge around mental health as well. Coaching offers um, a really good opportunity for space and time for people to think about uh what's going on for their life, where they might be. It's not a psychotherapy, but it's a listening therapy. It's a future focusing on goals. And I want to really sort of focus a lot of the experience I've had in business, understanding my own mental health and raising my own awarenesses and thinking about um, the mental health piece in that. Um, I really feel very strongly um, that when I practice as a coach, it's both as a, a a business coach but also to allow people to, to to be themselves and really come to coaching to and um, be very person-centered in my focus to, to challenge and allow people to go deeper because it's only when you really go deep into some some thought the right questions and your 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 the space is held non-judgmentally that you can bring to the surface some of the things that might be preventing you doing other things whether that's in your business or your personal life and to to, to move and shift um, I'm working as a partner coach at the moment uh, with, a, with an organisation called 5050, um, which is a coaching organisation uh, with an incre- incredible fellow coaches, uh, which, is, which is supporting this conversation in the workplace and really talking to workplaces about the importance of uh, mental health, um, but using coaching to be focused on goals and how to unlock those things for people. It's about empathy and authenticity, empowerment. Coaching offers that. So that's that's what I'm hoping to do. But of course, I'm not leaving behind a, a, a very uh, successful publishing career. So, you know, if there's an opportunity to bring that into the, the media world as well and to focus on that, that'd be great. But, I, but, but really coaching is something I want to focus on going forward. 
um, and using coaching as a method to to both help people with their professional and personal lives, but also to, to be comfortable and, and confident about addressing some of those other more difficult challenges that, that coaching can help. Brilliant stuff. And, and I can only wish you all the very best of luck with whatever that's going to look like next. But there's, there's great opportunities. You've obviously got an amazing skill set and you've got some live, you know, your lived experience is just its own power and energy to support those those conversations, especially around well-being, mental health and things like that. Um, Paul, we're at the end. I'm so sorry. We have to sort of close this off. Um, <laughs> And I just want to say, so I'll close, I'll just ask you to, to say a few words just to close as well. But I just want to say a huge thank you for you. I, I genuinely, I'm so lucky to have these conversations, you know, to spend a few, uh, an hour or so with with just lovely, great people, amazing humans. And and I just want to say a huge thank you for you for, for taking time out to talk to me as well. And um, yeah, I'm wishing you all the best, really. And I'm sure everybody listening wishes you all the best too. And and um, we'll spread that kindness and happiness and and um, and your future will be uh, one with with lots of great opportunities, I'm sure. Thank you very much, Matt. And again, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about it with you in such a, a relaxed way. And and to those people listening, I would really just encourage people to 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 sometimes just be brave um, and to know that when you do open up to people, you, you know, more often than not people genuinely want to listen and I've found an incredible amount of support from men and actually men do want to talk about it but someone has to go first and if I leave any message to anybody is is go first if you feel something or you need something to say be brave stand up someone's got to go first and and why can't it be you well great words thank you Paul um and as I remind everybody on this uh, podcast at the end to touch on what Paul's actually said if you're brave enough to reach out to speak to speak to somebody, you can talk to Samaritans. Samaritans is a resource that's always there for people. It's free to call on one one six one two three. Always know there is somebody who will listen. I'm here. Paul's here. If you need to speak to one of us, if you know us already, then please feel free to reach out and just make sure that you don't go through this on your own if you're struggling. I think it's such an important part of all of this um, discussion. We need to talk about mental health. We will continue to talk about mental health. And um, yeah, that's what it's all about. So Paul, thanks a lot. Um, We do the little wave for those people that can see us, for those that can't, that we are waving. And, Mm -hmm. And I'll speak to you soon, buddy. Cheers, mate. Thank you.